Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati-Ratna. Let the journey begin. Hello and welcome to episode number 83 of the Christ Connection Podcast. My name is Kevin Senapati-Ratna. I'm glad you could join us today. And I'm drinking some Parsley Tea today. Oh no, that's not my wife's podcast. You can check her out at the Real Life with Jenny podcast where she does share what she's drinking. I do have some Parsley Tea here, but that's not the point. Uh, <laughs> today we have a deep dive discussion for you on this episode 83 as we start off a new year. And this is probably a good point uh, to have this discussion because if you're listening to it right when it comes out, most people have given up on their New Year's resolutions already. And so you're ready to actually think about what you want to do and more importantly what God wants you to do to do life differently. Uh, that's the name of the book that we discussed today, but it really a strategy, a philosophy of life, and I think you're really going to enjoy this. And so without further ado, my conversation with Jeff Reeder. My guest today is author, speaker, businessman, Baylor University regent, former advisor to Dr. Ben Carlson, and deacon of Second Baptist Church in Houston. Jeff D. Reeder uh, shares how to Build a Life Rich with Intentionality and Significance in his new book, Do Life Differently, A Strategic Path Toward Extraordinary. A reader manages more than $6 billion in assets for his clients every day and is a managing partner with Northwestern Mutual for decades. He's best known for building strategies that generate wealth. Jeff, welcome to the show. Oh, Kevin, thanks so much for having me. It's such a privilege. It is uh, fun to get to talk. I, I read the book and I am excited for where we're going to go with this. It's a, it's a good book. I like it. <laughs> uh, thank you. You know, I'm a novice and a neophyte. And so it's great. I'm so heartened when somebody says that it was, uh, it was good. So thank you very much. <laughs> All right. And I always like to start off in left field somewhere because that's just who I am and we'll, we'll meander where it goes. But uh, in your book, you talk about hiking as part of your, uh, now, do you have any, like, either advice for a person who, you know, doesn't, I'm in Minnesota, so nothing's really tall, but, you know, if I wanted to go up somewhere high, uh, any advice for the, the, the novice uh, in the world of uh, hiking and things like that? Oh, great question. You know, there are these, there are these mountains called 14ers, and it, it really is a 14,000 foot elevation. Um, and there's a list of them. Uh, they're all over America. I'm trying to think if there's one in, in, uh, in Minnesota, Probably but not. <laughs> I would say find a moderate or e an easier, easy to moderate 14er and see if you get hooked or not. Um, do not try to run after a hard one, uh, you know, a really difficult one, but just see what it feels like. It, some of the some of them are so cool, and you might go from say nine or ten thousand feet up to fourteen thousand feet. It's actually a little bit thinner air up there, and but it usually is a beautiful view that that God created in a really powerful way. Hey, and hey, well, I will think about the fourteen thousand. That just that seems that seems scary, but all right. <laughs> Yes. Well, in your book, you talk about, you know, we may get to this, but uh, it was, it can be life-threatening. Is that, uh, is that? Yes, is it? for sure. I mean, 
we have done some some of those that where you kind of go, why are we doing this? You know, and there was one time that my sweet wife, we were we were turning 40 and we decided to do one that's relatively difficult. And um, she got to a place she did so well. And she's you know, she started out afraid of heights and but she was ready and sort of trained up and she got really pretty far along the journey. But there was this place that she was going to have to jump off a ledge. It was about three <laughs> feet wide with a 30,000 foot drop below it and literally ju- jump, you know, jump and kind of grab this peg. And I was like, honey, I got you. You know, I, I won't let you fall. And she's like, right, I'll fall and you'll fall and our kids will be orphans. You know, and she, and she sat down and she said, honey, I just want to I want to raise three sons and I want to be a mommy. And summiting this mountain is not what I want to do. And so, um, and by the way, um, important point in our marriage is that we, I did not go on. She said, you go on and I'll meet you back at the keyhole. And I said, no, I'm not. We are, we are one in this journey. And um, she and I have talked a lot about that over the years uh, that, um, you know, I, it was good that I didn't go on, even though she was, she was telling me to go. <laughs> Well, one of those where they tell you you should do something and they're really in the inside, you know, they're not right. Right. <laughs> so did you, and this is not, we can get back to the book in a second, but is hiking always been a thing that's been interesting to you or how'd you get the, how'd you get the bug? Yeah. You know, I'm just an outdoors guy and I love to be in God's creation. And um, boy, that's been one of the ways, I mean, Cindy and I, my wife and I, even our sons, uh, we all have loved, you know, that that finding the high places of the earth where uh, I think it's in Amos chapter four, where it says the Yahweh God almighty walks the high places of the earth and makes his thoughts known to mankind. And so we love that scripture. And that's that's part of the tie to that. Very cool. All right. Now, I got to ask a, another because. Uh, I was in the financial services industry for 10 years bivocationally while I was doing pastoral ministry. So I, I know a small piece of what your financial world, not nearly, you know, but 10 years is a long time to be in that world. Uh, and you talk about helping people on mission, uh, that that was kind of the turning point in your story. Uh, how does helping people like focused on mission rather than just being a financial service guy. What's the difference there? Yeah, I think it's such a distinctive issue in our industry. Our industry is full of folks that say often you know, that their primary objective of their firm is to, is to grow their GDC. And clients don't know what GDC is, but basically it's the, the purpose of our firm is to grow our income. <laughs> and and that, that actually has something to do with the clients, you know, and, uh, and so our firm has uh, 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 something we say a lot, which uh, actually comes from Matthew six, but we don't say it, we say it in a secular way. And it's, and it sounds a little bit like this, seek first to serve and love and care and matter and make a difference and be a catalyst in the life of this person and see if everything else doesn't just work out. And I think, that's, um, boy, that needs to be more the mantra of firms in the financial services industry, for sure. Well, I would think helping people get to their goals helps you get to your goals, ultimately, <laughs> right? Right. I think it was Zig Ziglar, Kevin, that first said that, and that's exactly right. Um, 
It's it just and and Matthew six says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, which all has a lot to do with loving and serving, right? And uh, and then it goes on to say, and all these other things will be added unto you uh, because God takes care of His people. Hey. So you write a book called Do Life Differently. Now, I love the title. I mean, it could just you should sell T-shirts or something. I think that's just Do Life Differently. But why? How'd you land on that? As a, I mean, this is kind of, you said it's a novice book person. So this is like your starting point on maybe 20 books. I don't know. But, you know, why, why do life differently? <laughs> Yeah, we really debated it. Um, and as I wrote the manuscript, it was it was entitled "Lead Yourself," um, and it and I felt like the 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 focus would be more on not don't before you lead others, lead yourself and have life systems by design, not by default. And as things unfolded, um, man, I just felt really impressed, if not compelled to to shift that around a little bit and there still is certainly some things in the book about leading yourself but but doing life differently just in general um i feel like we live in a world that is sort of homogenized and we we all want to blend in and we we don't want to stand out and and yet god created us fearfully and wonderfully to be his unique creation and each of us is different each of us have has a different thumbprint that ought to become a life print that we put our stamp in the world that God created us to do. And, and it felt to me like that became the essence of the book. And then that led us to do life differently. And you said uh, people are kind of stuck into we're all the same. Uh, any guesses on why that is the case with people? I mean, why, why we feel like we have to fit the mold of somebody else's vision for our life? Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's safer. Um, and I, I also believe that we're in this day and time, our, our, our little part of the brain called the amygdala is triggering quite a bit. And the amygdala is the trigger that says, fear, be afraid, you know, don't careful. And, uh, I, I have recently been saying that maybe our amygdala is triggering too often and our heart is triggering too seldom toward taking a step toward love and compassion in the life and heart of people around us. And so um, we need to have more cups of coffee with people and share our story and, and be real and be transparent and be vulnerable. Uh, and I think we also need to pray more for those opportunities to have a cup of coffee and have a real discussion with somebody out there where our true, unique, different feelings come out. Hey, at first, when you said a, a cup of coffee, I thought you mean we more caffeine in our lives just so that we could get a little excited <laughs> <Maybe>. there. <laughs> but I, I get where you go with that. Uh, so if you were sitting across from someone and yeah, I mean, this is the beginning of the year when this is coming out and we've gone through a crazy year. I, Hey, you know, beyond, and we want people to buy the book because it's just kind of gives a roadmap there. But if you're sitting across from someone, they're like, I want to do life differently. Where, where do they start uh, with that? Yeah, let me start with this scripture um, that, that probably many of us on this call know, but it's Ephesians 3.20. 
I'm convinced that God truly, truly wants us to lean into what's possible more, to what's exceedingly abundantly above or beyond what we would ask or think. And I think we tend to get uh, reticent and, and we tend to be complacent about what's common or typical or normal. And we sure don't want to be abnormal. And yet, we, we also don't want to have an ordinary marriage. We want to have better than an ordinary marriage. Or we, we may not want to be, uh, you know, you know we, we may want to be physically fit, but maybe we don't have a strategy for that. And so I really love to talk to people about what is your bold vision out there five years? I call it a V60 or a, a vision 60, victory 60. And it's 60 months from now, what do you think could be possible in that marriage that has been pretty average to this point? What if you, what is the boldest vision you can come up with that is truly exceedingly abundantly above or beyond what you might've thought just a few days ago? And they start writing that down. And then we challenge them to take a step or two in the direction of that, that might form a habit. And uh, habit forming is a huge key in us getting to a different place. Right. Now, I, w- I wanted to ask about the your V60 five-year plan. Now, I, I, I like that, I, although I've heard a lot of people t- kind of dissing the five-year plan in recent years, saying life's changing too fast, uh, the five-year plan is dead. Uh, are you finding... And maybe that's more in the business sense of things, uh, but I, is you you're holding on to this five uh, the five. I mean, I like it. I really do. I, what what are your thoughts on that? Things are changing too fast to have that kind of a. Mind? No, Kevin, I think you're astute and right on. Let me let me see if I can differentiate it uh, using words better. It's a five year vision of what could be possible. That then comes back to a much more short-term focus. Um, And of course, I'm more like, I'm not like if, let's say the goal five years from now is for me to be 30 pounds lighter. um, Then my short-term goal is not gonna be to run three miles tomorrow morning. It's actually gonna be to walk around the block tomorrow morning uh, because I'm big on building the habit moving in the direction. And so I wanna start actually more slowly than most people recommend. But it's more of a five-year vision. I do not think, I think it's hard to get to a five-year goal uh, and, and, and execute things over that length of a period of time. But if we think about a five-year vision of what's possible, then I think we're far better off in the context of this long-term vision to take steps in the direction of a habit. Well, that makes sense. Because you're not, you're not saying things aren't going to change five years from now that do a but it's more giving you a trajectory so that you can work back to what you're going to do tomorrow. That's exactly it. It's sort of a, it's a little bit of a Stephen Covey uh, begin with the end in mind thought. Uh, five years from now, this could be possible. And gosh, if it is possible, then it would be worth it for me to walk around the block in 15 minutes tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's, I guess with habits, uh, 
is that the Atomic Habits book that they talk about, you know, two minutes is pretty much all that you can uh, change in your life. <laughs> if you can Yeah, it's you... a great book. And uh, I, I think Atomic Habits runs parallel to my, to our New Life Differently book. It also uh, runs parallel to something that John Wooden, the famous UCLA coach with 10 national championships, he, he said, make each day your masterpiece, a little progress every day. And before long, it adds up to quite a bit. And that I think Wooden may have said that even before the Atomic Habit book. Because uh, Atomic Habits is a pretty new book, isn't it? <laughs> It is. It really is. Wait, wait. I, I, when you're talking about books, I, I was thinking of uh, the greatest salesman. Og Mandino. His fantastic book. <laughs> I, I actually just first time read it in the last couple of weeks here, and I'm I I don't know if you remember how he has you. You're supposed to do 30 days of reading the scrolls or whatever. I just started it, and it's just about the first one's about building new habits. So that's an important thing. So. <laughs> It's in uh, it's in Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. There's all these great books that talk about, you know, sort of there's nothing new under the sun. And I think some of our concepts in Do Life Differently tie to some of those age old books that that you're talking about there. But I think I like how you've laid out a plan for people. It's kind of a step by step uh, when I and when I started reading, I'm like, I, I love where he's going with this. I hope he's going to give us a plan. I, I hope he's going to give us a plan. And you did. I love that. <laughs> oh, good. I'm so glad. <laughs> I, I, I actually stopped at one point with, with, uh, with my wife and I said, she, she, she wasn't reading it with me, but I was like, Hey, this is going to be really disappointing if he doesn't, you know, he's giving me right the direction I want him to go, but he bet, if there's no plan there, but it's, you break it down for people of how to get to where they want to go. And I love it. Uh, so uh, can you talk about the idea? Speaking of plan, uh, I love this concept. You talk about plan A, plan B and plan C. Uh, what, what do you mean by that? <laughs> wow. I, uh, that's such a good question in the context of 2020 and 2021. I was talking to somebody just recently about this, but um, I'm, I, you know, I just think that we, we are called in leading ourselves by design, not by default to have a plan A to say, based on my best perception of what God is taking, where God is taking me and caught what he is calling me to do. Here's my plan A. This might be my plan A for 2021. If you think back to 2020, though, in about March, our every all of us had a plan A that was absolutely out the window. I mean, it was it was altered dramatically, if not an impossibility. And and so then the question is, are we relegated to to plan B? Are we willing to settle for plan B? And so the book talks about plan C and, and uh, you know, the book of James is so uh, poignant about make your plan, but make it subject to Christ, make it subject to the Lord's leading. And so plan C is Christ's plan for my life. And, and it's sort of like do plan A, never settle for plan B and always be thinking in terms of Christ's plan for me may be very different this year, this month. I think so many people are going into 2021 with fear and pessimism, and neither of those things are biblically uh, the correct way for us to move into a new year. I mean, let's face it, 
Christ died on the cross, y'all. And, and, and with that, there is no reason for pessimism. We've already won this battle. I get it that we feel like we're in a battle and, and, the, and much is at stake. But the reality is uh, we have every reason for, for optimism, albeit realistic optimism. In other words, understand reality and then be optimistic and then, and then execute on plan C, which is Christ's plan in our life. Right. So, so could you talk, I, I like that phrase, realistic optimism. What, what, can you unpack that a little bit more? What are they? Yeah, I, I talk to our financial services firm a lot about three isms. And so, and they all know it. It's, they, they, I, I probably do it enough that everybody in the firm knows it, but ISM, three of them. And the first one's pessimism and we forego it. We do not believe that pessimism ever happens or helps in any way. And there's no reason for pessimism. The top one is optimism and the middle-ism is realism, realism. And so you can't have blind optimism. You can't be out there going, oh yeah, everything's gonna be perfect. Because if you do, and a year like 2020 hits you, it's just not gonna work out. So as, as the re reality, of 2020 unfolds, you've got to understand reality and then be optimistic in that. And to me, uh, reality is a little bit like biblical truth. It's the truth that'll set us free. Um, and we can't be blind to the, to, to the circumstances. Another thing there is, you know, truth versus relative relativism and, and what lies do we believe? And it doesn't take long, you know, watching TV or paying attention to social media that we've 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 had a, a lie filtered through our awareness, and you know that's not reality. Uh, we live in a world that is trying to tell us that these lies are are the reality, and so I think we've got to discern truth uh, proactively, not passively. Hey, so if someone's saying, "Hey, I, I want to look at the new year in a new way, and I want to uh, bring realism and optimism," uh, any, uh, and you kind of touched on with plan A and C, but as far as uh, how to practically work that out as far as uh, not getting too optimistic uh, that you're doing crazy stuff that, well, I mean, crazy is okay sometimes, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but not also just banking on the realism side of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just, I guess my initial thought is Philippians 4.8. Um, there's an acronym that I invented or use, and it's THERPLA, the word THERPLA, which is not a word, but it's true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy, excellent. And I'm just convinced that in, in the pursuit of realistic optimism, we've got to, to saturate ourselves in that scripture. Um, we've got to be very very much against false things hitting us and having impact. And I'm not going to say that coronavirus is not a horrible thing. And, and so many people, you know, in this call, you know, have had tragic things happen, but at the same time, getting it in context as it relates, let's say to, to flu epidemics of the past or various things is really important for us to seek to discern. And I, I'm convinced that our news media and our social media tends to, 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 to give the bold and the bad and the bizarre much more than they give us reality and truth. 
And so I think we've got to discern true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy things that are excellent. And we got to live there and dwell there as the Bible admonishes us. Well, that's that ends up being a recurring theme on this podcast with uh, the fact that our mind is really a uh, you know, God wants us to guard our hearts and guard our minds, and uh, those things affect us. I think it was a previous guest, John Eldridge, uh, that said, talked about, you know, basically you can afford five minutes of news before it starts impacting your soul. And that's that's probably for a lot of us a good, good reminder there. Uh, now, if someone was uh, thinking about doing life differently, I... I where in your story, I'm kind of back in the train up a little bit, uh, what kind of dri drives you or where did you learn these principles, you know, uh, to bring this to the, to the audience? <laughs> I think I've stolen all of them. <laughs> <laughs> we all have. No. <laughs> um, but I am, and I, you know, I want to be cautious in how I say this. Um, I got to, to do some preaching yesterday uh, at Second Baptist Church, which is a, a really large uh, uh, church here in Houston, Texas. And I, I showed the, that group of people, there was actually three different services that I preached in, but I, I showed them my 2020 Bible. And I told them that 2020 was such a crazy year. But from my point of view, God had showed up in a crazy good way. And I showed them this, this Bible. I get a new Bible every year. I've got a 2020 Bible. Now I'm into my 2021 Bible. And I am just scouring that thing. I'm, I'm highlighting it. I'm outlining it. I'm writing in it. I'm thinking through things. I'm drawing lines from this to that. And, and I spent more time in God's word in 2020 than I ever have. And I'm talking about hundreds of hours. And yet, when you do that, even amidst a crazy year, God shows up in a crazy good way. And I, I just think we've got to do more and more uh, saturating ourselves, abiding in the truth of God. Hey, so you get a new Bible every year. Is that, uh, hey, how, how, how does that work? In, uh, it just struck me. Uh, what it, hey, Do you do that so that you're getting fresh thoughts with it? Or is it... Uh, what, and what do you do with your old Bibles? You keep them and go back to them. How, how does that work? <laughs> yeah, the old Bibles are stacking up, that's for sure. And they are for our grandchildren and great-grandchildren so that, that those kids, those young people can discern that their grandpa was crazy. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we want to make certain that they're verifying that. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's just been a crazy process, kind of walking through a Bible per year and trying to be um, really focused. And what's strange to me is that every year it doesn't feel old. It always feels new and fresh. I gain fresh perspective. And, you know, I'm just so grateful for the way the Lord shows up in his word and that his word will not ever return void. My pastor from when I was in high school, he always used to say, it's, he'd read through the Bible every year, and he, he said, seems like God drops new verses in every year. I don't know how he does it, but it's... <laughs> exactly, I think so. All right. Now, in the book, you talk about, speaking of writing, I, I got to go there. Right. You talk about your life book. Now, right. it sounds like it's a, a journal-type 
thing. What does that look like? Because you kind of touch on it, uh, but what does that practice look like for you a little bit more? I, I love those kind of journals and things like that, how people uh, process things that God speaking to them. Yeah, that's great. You know, we're taping this on a, on a, on a video call, but, but this is an audio presentation, but Kevin can see that I'm holding up my life book. Um, the life book to me, it started out as a journal many, many, I literally almost 40 years ago. <clears throat> and then I started adding tabs, um, sort of adding tabs. And so one of the tabs in my life book is literally right there journaling, right? And so it's a tab in the life book. Uh, the life book starts out with a master action plan that we talk about in the book, but basically it's what's my plan? What's my strategy? And then it goes from there. Our family is the next tab and being intentional. I have a strategy for life with Cindy Reader. Um, you know, I'm married way over my head and I've been married 34 years and I have a goal to go beyond 50. And so I literally in my life book, have a strategy for dating and loving and serving this beautiful woman that God gave me as uh, one of the more extraordinary things he's ever done. And so in here are all these things about staying married to that girl. Cindy and I have three sons and each of them have pages in there. And I have a strategy for being a mentor, a coach, an example, a consultant to each of our sons and Thankfully, each of them have allowed me to have that conversation with them regularly. And so the life book just kind of uh, unfolds in a really, really cool way. I try, to, I try to be organized in my pursuit of life by design, not by default. You've used that word intentionality quite a bit. Uh, and you do in the book as well. Uh, have, has that always been a word for you or is that something that you've developed over time? Yeah, I think it, there's been a little bit of a, a metamorphosis of that word, um, in my life. Um, but I, I really like to talk Kevin about the parable of the talents. Um, I'm so convinced that in that parable, we learned that we're all given gifts by God. We're all given talents. We all have the ability to be and become what he's called us to be and become, and that we're uniquely asked by him to be uniquely to the world in the body of Christ, what we should be and become. And so um, I think we have to do that with intentionality. And when you study the parable of the talents, you know, you got the one guy that buries it. That isn't his intention. That person is passive, not active, not proactive. And then the other two are uniquely seeking to multiply their talents. And God says, that's fantastic. And then he gives them more. And I think that's, uh, I think that's a really cool microcosm of our opportunity to be intentional. And just for the audience to put a, a thought for them, because... John Brevere was on the show not too uh, long ago, and he was talking about the parable of the talents too. And it, it seems to be flowing in the same direction. So if you're listening, if you're a regular listener, maybe you should take, or maybe I should just take note of this. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is just for me. I don't know. God's trying to tell me something. I guess uh, I, it seems to be everywhere I go that uh, that passage keeps coming up. So I guess you take it. Now, when you talk about, I just got to go into that intentional one more time there. Uh, 
like when you plan that out with your, and you don't have to give me specifics, but I mean, it's like with a son uh, at the beginning of the year, do you like, okay, this is, I have these 10 things I want to do with each of my kids or how, how does that, uh, maybe an example of maybe not with your family or something, how does that look in real life? Uh, love that question, Kevin. You know, each of our sons is different and unique. Uh, you know, the scripture that says train up a child in the way they should go. That's really talking about the way they should go being based on their uniqueness. And each of our boys are, are different and unique. By the way, 29, 27, and 25 in age. We just got back from a really fun week together over the Christmas holiday where I got to sit with them and spend time with them and think about what's important to them. One of my, my middle son just started a new job today. And I got to text with him this morning about how proud I am of him and how, how certain I am that he's going to do extremely well at this new dream job. Um, and I think you've got to be real sensitive to the, the, the nuance with each of them and really meet them where they are. And um, by the way, I'll tell you one more thing. I don't, any, any conversation, any meeting I have with them, any mentoring meeting I have with them where I'm sort of the consultant, I never ask them to set that up. They can call and set that up as much as they want, and our boys do, but I'm not the one that's saying, hey, we ought to meet because it seems like you've got issues. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I'm so grateful to have this, this sort of a consultative relationship with my sons and just kind of doing life with them in a real way where I try to be vulnerable with issues with me, and, and often they're even willing to be vulnerable with me on what's going on with them. Love that. Uh, as we're we're starting to uh, wrap up here, when I uh, you got uh, you know six billion dollars to manage, so we we don't we don't be respectful of your time here. But uh, but uh, if is there anything uh, when I'm talking about the book that uh, you know I I you know have not covered at all that you're like this is something that you really need to people need to know about it. I guess. Well, I don't. I don't know, Kevin, you've done such a good job covering it, but I do, I do want to say that often people think holistically or comprehensively in their life. And what we seek to do in the book is break our life out. I call it an integrity compass, but basically there's a lot of parts of our life where, you know, uh, Luke 2.52, it says Jesus, and this really describes Jesus from a, you know, a pretty young age to about age 30. And it says Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in fellowship with God and fellowship with man. And I'm convinced that God is calling us to grow in a multi-dimensional way. And I talked a little bit about maybe fitness or marriage or maybe our faith or whatever, but there's so many things that God is calling us to be. I'm convinced we need to have a strategy for being a citizen in the greatest country in the world. And uh, people think that's weird, but I'm telling you, it is important that we're intentional about what that means to us and what God may be calling us to do. And things like that, I think, are important for us to think through. Hey, which, again, goes back to your intentionality. Hey, so that's we need to be. A, we need to think through those things. Hey, hey. I did have, we'll have any final ask that you have and we'll where to send people. But before we started recording, you talked about uh, your love for fire. <laughs> and so 
I thought we should come back to that uh, since we have a mutual love of all things burning. No, I mean, I mean, no, no. no. All right. All right. What, 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 you used a phrase about uh, getting, uh, uh, opening your heart close to the fire. Something. Uh, uh, talk to me about uh, uh, what you what you mean by that. I love that, Kevin. Well, I noticed on your bio, I was studying you and it said that you were the head spiritual pyromaniac of Christ Connection. And so I love that. Um, I believe that we all should live life near the heart of the fire. And um, at our ranch, we have a fire pit. And I love to sit there early, early in the morning before the sun rises and drink cowboy coffee and think deeply into God's word and visualize things. You know, uh, the scripture says that our God is an all-consuming fire. And I'm convinced that if, if you're not in Christ, you better seek to be either getting in Christ or get away from that fire because you can get burned near that fire and you may be burned eternally if you don't grapple with that and think through it. But, but for those of us that are in Christ, God calls us to lean in and uh, lean into the warmth of the fire. And uh, I love to tell people that often my life book or, or my, my Bible will smell like that fire. And, and then people say, so let me get this straight. You think that the aroma of Christ is like your fire pit. And I'm like, well, okay, no, that isn't it. But I will say this to the men in the group is that I think God is calling men to step up more than ever. And, you know, the aroma of Christ isn't just the fragrance of the perfume our spouses wear. It actually may be more akin to that fire pit. And God may be calling us men to step up and get near that fire in an America that needs us to, and a world that so desperately needs us as men in America to step up and serve the world. Love that. That's a, that's a great place to kind of land the plane. And it really does speak to the whole idea of doing life differently. Cause as you get close to the presence of Jesus, uh, he, he's going to, he's going to send you on a journey and we've probably on this podcast said quite a bit that you're uh, it's ultimately about building a relationship with him and then doing whatever he tells you to do uh, and so uh, the book again is do life differently a strategic path toward extraordinary and i believe the website is do life differently book.com uh, uh, any uh, where else you'd like to send people or any final ask that you have of the audience well, Kevin, what a treat for me to get to be on with you and, and just the impact of this that you're having with so many incredible people. And I just, I'm just uh, grateful to get to be here and share this message, uh, as you've said, of intentionality, but, but just this idea that God is at work in a powerful way. And as we roll into 2021, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is stable, and he is going to be there and he is not a God of, of uh, instability. He is a God that says that there is rock solid hope in the truth of Christ. And let's walk with him as we head into 2021. Amen. Well, thanks for taking the time today. I, I've really enjoyed it. Thanks, Kevin. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And I hope that you were inspired to do what God has called you to do, to live the life he's called you to live, uh, to go after him, whatever he tells you to do, whatever he's called you to be. Uh, if you're looking for the show notes, you can find them over at ChristConnection.cc and just click on podcast. Again, that's ChristConnection.cc and click on podcast. While you're there, if you're new to the ministry, uh, you can sign up for 
uh, our newsletter, our weekly newsletter, we tell you what the podcast is. But you'll also get a free uh, three-part video series on how to have an enjoyable prayer life that will come to you. So that's a great resource for you. Again, that's ChristConnection.cc. And finally, if you have been with us for a while, I'd love you to consider becoming a monthly supporter of our ministry. We want to be a blessing to as many people as possible. And so uh, we're looking to raise some new people as part of the team and encourage you to become part of the Christ Connection family. You can do that by going to ChristConnection.cc and click on Donate. And there's either a one-time gift or a place to set up monthly. And we'd love to have you, again, part of the Christ Connection family. I hope this episode was encouraging to you. You'd begin to dream of all that God would have for you. And so until next time, thanks for listening.